This is Steve with Life Worth Living. Lately, I've been praying a certain prayer. I pray it with all honesty and sincerity, and it's this, God, please reduce me to love. What am I thinking as I pray this? Well, I want to get rid of my selfish self. I want to get rid of my impure motives, and I'm tired of my plan. I want God's plan. Each of us is created with incredible value to God, but we're like any other precious metal. Our value is mined by God, but our valuable ore is full of impurities. Throughout our lifetime, the troubles we face are intended to melt away those impurities until all that is left is the singular treasure of who we are to God. His love in our hearts is all that matters. I want everything that I do to be simply motivated by love for my God and love for other humans that I come into contact with. So I pray, God, please reduce me to love. And it was so cool on our on our time off, on our vacation. Um, right before we left, um, I got this this word, this, this thing, the, the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Believe me, he wants to speak directly to your heart. He wants to speak directly to your heart. So as he was speaking to me, he told, he reminded me of this phrase, reduce me to love, reduce me to love. In other words, uh, melt me down and get all the impurities out and let all that's be left is just love just love no more selfish ambition no more vain conceit no more just my own agenda and what i'm going to do you know what i want to find out what god wants to do and i want to do that reduce me to love and this is stolen from a book that joyce myers she she has a book called reduce me to love so i'm not taking any kind of credit but it was reminded of me this term and throughout the whole vacation time i was just praying god just reduce me to love Melt me down and let there be only be left is just love, nothing else. And so because that's been on my mind and my heart, we're going to take just a Sunday gap here from Isaiah um, and just look at 1 Corinthians 13. I think it's something that all of us need reminding of. It's something that we need to practice, 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 practice is to love, 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 love. That's what God has called us to do. And I want to remind you of something. You and I, you and I, we can't love on our own. You have to, and I have to, receive God's love into us so that we can, in fact, dispense love to others. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you have a hard time loving, don't stress out. You can't love on your own. And you especially can't love somebody that you hate. Do you hear what I say? You can't do it. So stop beating yourself up. You first need to receive God's love, and then his love through you can love others, even those who are unlovable. It's, it's really refreshing to finally figure that out. I used to beat myself up all the time as people I just I can't love. I hate them. They make me mad. They tick me off. They've hurt me. But you know what? As soon as I jumped into the ocean of God's love and said, I'm never coming out again, I finally was able to love those who I couldn't love before. Let God love those who you can't love. Let them through you. Yeah. Let him love through you. So let's look at 
1 Corinthians 13. So don't tense up and say, okay, now I've got to go out of church and start loving people. No, you first receive the love of God in your life, and you will finally begin to love other people. 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to read in a totally different version the Passion Translation. Amen? Amen. I like the Passion Translation. And I encourage you to read the Bible in different versions. It, it stimulates your thinking. It gets you out of this. You know, if you love the King James, good for you. Read another version sometimes. If you don't love the King James, read the King James sometimes. It'll stimulate your thought process. It'll get you thinking. Uh, I, I heard this uh, about someone else, that they go through the Bible every year and they read the Bible in a different translation every year. I thought that was kind of cool. That gets you looking at things differently, understanding maybe the interpretation of something that you never thought of before. So we're going to do that today, the Passion Translation, 1 Corinthians 13. If you don't have it, you probably don't. <laughs> you can look up on the screen and you'll see it up here. All right, if this is the Apostle Paul speaking to the Corinthian church, who, by the way, was enamored. Do you know what enamored means? In love with spiritual gifts in love. I get people every so often coming to our church and they say, Steve, why aren't there more of the gifts at work in your church? Well, you know what's more important than that is the gift of love working in our church. <laughs> I, I hope you agree with me on that. Love is way, and that's what 1 Corinthians 13 is all about. Love is way more important than talents and gifts and all kinds of other manifestations of the Spirit. The number one, el numero uno, all right, is, is love, period. End of story, and I'm learning that little by little. So it says, if I speak, uh, if, if I were to speak with eloquence in the earth's many languages <laughs> and in, heavenly tongue, in the heavenly tongues of angels, yet I didn't express myself with love, my words would be reduced to a hollow sound of nothing, more than a clanging symbol. All right? I'm going to lay it on the line for you. We had someone come speak in our church a while back. I'm not going to name his or her name. This person came and spoke at our church. Had a lot of good things to say, but I noticed that when they walked in the church, they bypassed every single person and didn't say hello to anybody. Not very apparently loving. All right? Had a lot of good things to say, but you know what? I'm going to cliche this a little bit. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. <laughs> Love is more important than a gifted public speaker or a gifted this or that. I'll tell you what. Love is the most important thing that you can possibly pursue in life. And the language of the Spirit is love. The language of the Spirit. If you come into a church and all you have is legalism and condemnation heaped upon you because of your shortfalls, you're not hearing the language of God. <laughs> there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus no matter what you've done or what you haven't done. Praise God. The language of the Spirit is love. We all often say, you know, hey, was that God talking to me or was that something else? I'm not sure if that was the Lord. Let me tell you what, if there's love in what you're hearing, it's most likely God. And if it's condemning, it isn't or it ain't God. <laughs> it's not God. The love, uh, the, 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 the language of the spirit is love. Let's read on. 
There's five gifts, by the way, here that Christians tend to really want really bad and really focus in on. And God is saying, through the Apostle Paul, he's saying, hey, these gifts are nothing compared to love. Gifts are important. Don't get me wrong. We want the gifts. The Bible encourages us to want the gifts. But you better want love more than the gifts. Because the, the gifts can, can puff you up, can make you prideful. And spiritual pride is a very, very dangerous thing in the church. Verse 2, it says, If I were to have the gift of prophecy with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and if I possessed unending supernatural knowledge, you know what? That would be lame if that's all you pursue. The gift of prophecy. By the way, there's some interesting hidden nuggets here about what the gift of prophecy is. It's not just simply, and I've said this before, you know, it's not just simply God's word coming to me and me telling you the, the, the current word of God. It's the, the word of God coming to me, enriching me, in enlightening me, helping me to know things that I didn't know before, and then I express it. So there's a third thing that I, I, I don't think I've... Uh, uh, expounded enough on whenever I talk about prophecy. But if you have prophecy without love, forget it. Forget mm -hmm. it. You know what is more important than preaching or prophecy? It's practicing what you preach. Amen. Practicing. You can have all the right things and say all the right things, but if you don't practice it, that's called hip hypocrisy. And it's a tragedy. There was unfortunately a prophet who lived back in, uh, in the, uh, before 1950, uh, A.W. Tozer. If anybody's read stuff before, A.W. Tozer wrote incredible books about the knowledge of God. I've read some of them in pursuit of God. Deep thoughts, powerful thoughts. He was pastor of a, a very uh, prosperous church. But you know what? His family life stunk. His wife, after he died, married another man and said her, her life was so much happier being married to her second husband. Mm -hmm. You can be a prophet. You can know a lot of stuff. You can write a lot of books. You might be able to have a good church. But you know what? If you don't love your family, if you don't love people, if you don't exhibit love, what a tragedy that would be. Practice what you preach. Don't just preach. Practice it day in and day out. My parents were missionaries to Spain. When I turned 18, they gave up their ministry to come back with me to the United States. They showed me love, and I'm forever indebted to them for that signal of love, for that evidence of love. They didn't put ministry over their family, and I'm so deeply grateful to them for that. And you know what? I'm going to do the same thing for my kids. I'm, I might be accused of a lot of things, but I'm not going to be accused of neglecting my family and my marriage. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> you know what? There's a limit, and that's why we took two weeks of vacation off, was just to get off, just to enjoy each other's company, just to signal, you know what? I love you guys. I love being with my family. So love is more important than being a prophet or knowing a lot about Jesus. You better practice what you preach. It goes on in verse 2, and it says, And if I have the greatest gift of faith that could move mountains, but have never learned to love, then I am nothing. 
Did you get that, that term right there? Learned to love. You can't love. It's, it's learned. It's embraced from the divine, from, the, from God Almighty. You have to receive love from him, as we've said, and learn to love based on God's love for us. I want you to stop and think about the person you despise the most in your life, right? And please don't tell me who it is, all right? Let's, you keep that inside. But think of the person you despise the most. God wants you to learn to love that person. Pretty tough, all right? Pretty tough. But it's talking about faith here, the gift of faith. Enough faith to move mountains. In other words, enough faith to have power. Power to move a mountain. Maybe the mountain is cancer and you have the gift of faith to pray over people that they would be healed and they're healed. Guess what? That's wonderful. But it, you should only be doing that because you love that person. You have compassion for that person who's sick. Maybe, maybe you know of somebody who's struggling mentally and they're having mental battles and, and who knows what's going on in their life. Your compassion should drive you to have faith for them to move that mountain. Don't do it for yourself. Don't do it because, oh, look at how full of faith I am. No, you do it because you love, you love, you love. That's why you would have faith. Faith expressing itself in love, as the Bible says. All right? In fact, love is the evidence of the Spirit, not faith. In fact, the Bible says there will be people who have done great miracles. And God, when they get in front of the judgment seat, God will say, I never knew you. Love is about relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's about talking to him and listening to him, desiring him, enjoying God. You do that, hey, he'll give you the gift of faith, but that's secondary to your relationship with the Lord. Love is the evidence of the Spirit, not power. Power is not the evidence of the Spirit. Love is the evidence of the Spirit. Now, obviously, when those disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit, they were empowered to preach. And that was a manifestation of the, of the Spirit in them. But the major evidence of the Spirit is the love of God. That'll change more things than the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't get me wrong. I, 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 you could take that soundbite and say, oh, you're, 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 heretic, you're heretical, is, if I'm saying that right. I'm just saying love is more important than the power. The power is used because you love people and you love God. All right, so let's go on. Here's another thing, another couple of things that seem to be pursued by Christians, and rightly so, is that if I were to be so generous as to give any and everything I own to feed the poor, and secondly, I offer my body to be burned as a martyr, as a sacrifice, without the pure motive of love behind those two things, I would gain nothing of value. I've met people who are extremely generous. You look at Bill Gates, extremely generous. Billions of dollars poured in to help people. In some cases, I think, in avenues that he shouldn't be, but that's his call. He's the one giving his money away. All right? Generous. Is it motivated by love? I don't know. Maybe it is. It might be, it might not be. But the point is, you give a penny to anybody, you do it because you love, not to be noticed. You do it because you love. And so many folks, so many Christians, if you read into this, what they're saying is, 
I want a ministry. I want my ministry. I want to help people through generosity, either with money or time or effort or emotion or whatever. God, give me a ministry. I want to be generous. And God's saying, you can have a ministry, but it's only because of love that you minister to people. You don't do it for yourself. You do it to show love in your own unique way. I'll never forget this lady telling me <laughs> it's crazy. Tragic, not crazy. It was tragic. She told me, this was years ago, nobody from this church. She said, you know what God told me? I said, what did God tell you? She said, God said, do you want a ministry or do you want your marriage? She was struggling in her marriage. She said, do you want your ministry or do you want your marriage? And I said, what are you talking about? Do you want your ministry or do you want your marriage? No, that's, that's not the Lord speaking to you. Absolutely not. Well, she went on to get a divorce, ruined her family in the process. Tragedy. You know what? Love is the reason why you have a ministry. You, you're, you're not doing it. You don't have to give up the love of your life for a ministry. It's not biblical. Come on. All right? So God gives you a ministry, but it's because of love that God gives you ministry. You don't have to sacrifice certain things. I'm not going to sacrifice my kids to pastor the church. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to sacrifice my marriage to pastor the church. I can do both. Amen. And I can do it in a balanced fashion. Yes, yes, yes. So important. And then it says, uh, you offer your body to be burned. There's so many Christians who want to have this martyr's complex. They want to show how much they've done, how much they've given up. Blah, blah, blah. You know what? The only person who needs to know anything that you've given up is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Keep it to yourself. Yes. <laughs> Keep it to yourself. All right? We all suffer. We all sacrifice. But you know who sacrificed more than you or me or any of us combined was the Lord Jesus Christ on our behalf. All right, so do we sacrifice? Of course we do. We sacrifice our time. You know what? Sometimes Brother Jimmy's up in the middle of the night talking to people, trying to encourage them. There's others. Shelly, I'm sure she paces her home praying for people throughout the day. You sacrifice, absolutely. But you know what? Nobody needs to know about your sacrifice. You're doing it for him, not for others to see. And so there's these five gifts that we tend to want as Christians. We want to inspire people, maybe through, through singing. Like Sarah, I pray that when she leads us, her and Tara lead us in worship, she's inspiring us. But you know what? That's not the end goal. The end goal is love. All right? And, and we want knowledge. There's many intellectuals. There's many... Folks that are caught up in spiritual theories, if you will. You know what? Love is more important than knowledge. Love the Lord your God with all your mind, all your intellect. Don't do it to puff yourself up. Secondly, the power that comes with faith. Love is more important than the power of the Holy Spirit. Way more important. Um, ministry. We want our own ministry. We want to, to be sacrificial. Be sacrificial, but only let God know about that. So if God, let me ask you this question. If God were to offer you the choice between super giftedness and talent versus being overflowing with God's love, which would you choose if you had to choose between the two? Our human tendency is to go with a super giftedness and super talent. But God says, no, go with overflowing love. He says... 
I desire mercy more than sacrifice. That's what God says. It says it over and over in the Bible. I'd rather you be merciful than you to be sacrificial. Praise God. Well, let's read on a little bit more about love here and the passion. I love it. It says, love is large. (laughs) You could take that any number of different ways, but I take it as, you know, love is large. Large God, excuse me, love can put up with a lot. Love is big. It can put up with a lot of problems. It can put up with people gossiping about you. It can put up with with difficulties day after day. Love is large. It can put up with a lot. I want to be loving because I want to be able to put up because life throws a lot of stuff at you. A lot of difficulties. A lot of people talking. A lot of people trying to compete with you. You know what? Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. Well, these are all just words on a page until you start trying to practice these words. And what I would tell you is these three words, kindness, gentleness, and patience. Those we need to practice where? At work. We need to practice them with our family. If you're married, you need to practice them in your marriage. If you're a parent, you need to practice them with your children. If you're living with a family member, you need to practice them with your family member. If you have friends, hopefully everybody has friends, you need to practice them with your friends. You need to practice them with your, those who are skeptical of you or maybe your enemies. Gentleness, kindness, patience. I never, I'll never forget, about a year ago I was on a phone call and I don't know what took hold of me. I think it had been building up over the course of several months. But I was on a phone call, and I just went rogue on the phone call, man. I, was, I just tied into somebody. Um, was not patient, was not kind, it was not gentle. Hurt this person's feelings beyond all measure. Uh, we let things simmer down for a couple of days, and then we spoke, and I apologized. I apologized for being the way that I was at work. And, um, and the Lord came back to me and showed me, Steve, you've been getting kind of off the path. You need to be gentle when you speak with people. You need to be kind when you speak with people. And you need to be very patient with people. Everybody deserves an explanation, so give it to them. Even if they need to hear it a couple of times over, everybody deserves an explanation. So when they ask for it, go ahead and give it to them. Be patient. Really life-changing experience. Very humbling and very good for me, I would say. Very, very good for me. Uh, It goes on in verse 4. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. (laughs) I like that one. I won't go into a lot of details, but I remember several years ago, someone else getting something that I had gotten, but theirs was better than mine. (laughs) Let's just put it at that. They got something that was better than what I'd received, and there was a twinge of jealousy, and I went to the Lord with it. I said, Lord, why... Why didn't I get it? Just as good as what they got. All right? And I can't remember what the Lord told me, but he calmed me down and said, stop being jealous. If I want to bless somebody, be happy for them. Be happy. Man, if they got more than you, it's okay. Praise God. that I can see God blessing. It, it proves that God is a good God, even if it's not always coming my direction. God is in the blessing business. I like that. Love does not brag about one's achievements or inflate its own importance. And that's so hard. I have a a new boss at work just as of a couple of weeks. My tendency 
is to really, really try to inflate my importance to him right now. <laughs> make sure I'm on his radar. Make sure that he knows who I am. Make sure that he knows what my contribution is. But you know what? I've got to be careful with that. I'm, I'm here to impress God. I don't need to impress anybody. God has taken care of me for 50, almost two years now. He's not going to stop doing it. I don't need to worry about Steve. I'll let Steve worry. I'll let God worry about Steve. Love does not traffic in shame or disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honor. That's a, a curious sentence to traffic in shame. I can't tell you exactly what the uh, translator thought about when they said traffic in shame. But I do know that if somebody's loving, they're not going to be disrespectful to other people. Everybody deserves respect. Amen. Everybody. Even if, if they haven't done something to deserve respect, everybody deserves respect. Amen. Give it to them. Give, give respect to, to folks. Don't always be selfishly seeking your own, your own aggrandizement. In other words, making yourself big and visible to everybody. Love is not easily irritated. And in the NIV it says, is not easily angered. How many of you have a short fuse? <laughs> all of us. All of us have a short fuse. You know what we need more of? We need more love. The more I've seen this in my own life, the more of God's love is in me, the less tendency I have to get angry. The less tendency. If you are struggling with anger, I challenge you, ask God this week and say, God, please give me more of your love. Don't, stop asking God to help you with your anger and say, God, you know, snuff out that fuse that I have, that short fuse, with love, love, love. And heaven will pour out its love into your life. And you will find this week that your fuse has gotten a lot longer. <laughs> You're not going to be as, as prone to being angry. It says it does not take uh, uh, quick to take offense in the NIV, it says the key, it keeps no records of wrong. You know, I heard or read this, I can't remember, but if you are easily offended, you will be offensive to others. If you are easily offended, you, your feelings get hurt very quickly. If you're one of those people that I have to walk around with eggshells because I'm worried that I'm going to make you mad or upset you or tweak you, you know what? You are going to be offensive to others because you're easily offended. Don't be easily offended. <laughs> Just love. It's not about you. It's not about me. All right? So let's get our eyes off of ourselves and not be so easily offended and certainly don't keep records of wrong. If Jesus can forgive and forget, you and I, we can forgive and forget as well. We can do it with God's help. We can do it. With love in our heart, we can do it. Verse 6, love joyfully celebrates honest, honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. <laughs> there's a key word there. There's many good words there, but one of the words is joyful. If you are full of God's love, you are going to be overflowing with joy. And what is a product of joy? It's happiness. Let me ask you, when you look in the mirror, or if you were to ask someone that's close to you, would they say that you're a happy person or an unhappy person? And if you say, well, most people would say that I'm an unhappy person, all you need is more of God's love in your life.
That's all you need. And God, through his love, is going to make you joyful and you are going to be able to love other people, as we've already mentioned. All right? So love joyfully celebrates. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. <laughs> never stops believing the best for others, as opposed to never stops believing the best in others. For me to believe the best in others is the dumbest thing in the world, because all of us are full of rottenness. <laughs> We all have bad traits, bad personality characteristics, bad attributes. But you know what? If I start believing the best for you, that's a different story because now I'm talking about what God can do in your life. I believe the best for you. And I want you once again, I don't want to create any bad blood here, but I want you to think again about that person that you despise the most in your life right now. They might be dead already for all we know. But who is it that has hurt you or is hurting you right now and I want you to believe the best for them. Believe the best for them, that God is going to get down in their life and start rearranging their life and changing them, and you can start loving them as you see those changes, even before the changes start taking place. But I love that. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Start believing the best for other people and praying for them, saying, God, get into their life. Pour your love, not only into my heart, but into their heart. And bless them, Lord. Because, you know, it's, it's so hard to pray a blessing for someone that you don't like very much. But the fact of the matter is that's exactly what will turn things around for you as well. When God starts blessing them, they will change and they will become more of the person that you would hope them to be. Pray that God would pour his love into their hearts. And certainly into yours as well. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it, for it never gives up. <laughs> I love that. I, if there's a, a characteristic trait that I just love that my mom and my dad have implanted in me, it's we're never going to give up. We're just never going to give up. My dad has said, you know what? If, if I come to church and nobody else shows up, I'm still having church. I'm never giving up, you know? And it not just doesn't only go for church. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on your job. Don't give up on your boss. Don't give up on the people who work with you or for you. Don't give up. Well, how can you be one of those kind of people that's never say die? That Those people that say failure is not an option. How can you do it? Let God's love fill your heart. And you will be a person who never quits, who always perseveres. Why? Because you're trusting in a loving God. He's always going to come through for you. Praise God. All right, so love never fails, uh, never uh, takes failure as defeat. I love that. It's, it's always taking the half full glass and saying it's half full, period. <laughs> because Jesus loves me, he's going to fill up the rest of this glass. All right, they never take failure as defeat. In verse 8, it says, love never stops loving. And only the passion says it this way. I love this. Love never stops loving. <laughs> All right? In other words, love never quits being active. It's always shown. It's always displayed. It's always demonstrated. It's always worked. All right? What if I told my wife, and I've used this example before, what if I told her on our, on our wedding day, you know what? I love you, Tina. I'm never going to tell you again. 
You just know that I love you. And it's there. My love is always there for you, but I'm never going to tell you that again. And if I don't show you, don't stress out. Just know that I love you. Well, you know what? Love needs to be demonstrated over and over and over and over again in a marriage or in any relationship. It's got to be showed or shown. All right? God's love has been shown to us and continues to be shown to us. We need to demonstrate love. Love is taking a meal to a family who needs a meal. Love is picking up the phone and calling somebody who's lonely. Love is getting into your car and visiting somebody who needs to be visited. Love is shown. It's demonstrated. It takes time. It takes money. It takes effort. It takes emotion. Love never stops loving. It's demonstrated. In the NIV, it says love never fails. It extends beyond the gift of prophecy, which eventually fades away. And why, why is prophecy going to fade away? Well, when we get to heaven, God's going to fill all our heads with the knowledge that we need to know. And we won't need anybody prophesying anything because God will be showing us directly. So eventually, prophecy is going to fade away. You know what's not going to fade away? Thank goodness, love. Never going to fade away. God will always love you. He will always love you. Uh, it says uh, it's more enduring than tongues. In other words, eloquence or even speaking in tongues or in speaking in other languages, which one day will fall silent. Love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten. Our present knowledge and our prophecies are but partial. But when love's perfection arise, arrives, the partial will fade away. See, prophecy can be, the prophet can start feeling really good about him or herself because they've prophesied. But you can't fake love. <laughs> you can't mess up love. Love is good. It's pure. It can't be falsified. It can't be, it can't be, uh, f not forfeited, but what do you call it? Um, what's a dollar bill that's fake? It's, it can't be faked. Counterfeited. You can't counterfeit love. If you love it's true, it's simple, it's pure. Isn't that wonderful about love? Prophecy can be, faith can be faked. Generosity can be faked. Self-sacrifice can be faked, but you can't fake love. It's the real thing. When I was a child, I spoke about childish matters, for I saw things like a child and reasoned like a child. But the day came when I matured and I set aside my childish things. What is it to mature? It's to learn that my communication is motivated by love. It's, it, maturity is when prophecy is not the thing, it's love. Prophecy is just the vehicle to show love. And that generosity is the vehicle to show love. And that sacrifice is the expression of love. That's maturity. That's growing up spiritually. Verse 12, for now we see but through uh, but a faint reflection of the riddles and mysteries as though reflected in a mirror. But one day we will see face to face. We're going to see it clear as day, pure as day. My understanding is incomplete now, but one day I will understand everything. Isn't that going to be wonderful? Have you ever asked God, why did you do that, God? What were you thinking when you let this happen? Someday we'll know it all. <laughs> we'll understand it all. But you know what? For now, I don't understand it all, and that's okay. That's fine that I don't understand it all. 
I trust God that he knows what's going on and that he's going to take care of everything and that he can make all things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Praise God. I don't have to understand everything. That was such a relief. The, the day that I finally came to grips with that, I said, I don't have to know it all. I'm okay with that. God knows it all, and that's fine. Praise God. And so uh, my understanding is incomplete now, but one day I will understand everything just as everything about me has been fully understood. And I want to give you just a little, this blessed me, this thought here. As I, as I let God love me and I love other people, I will understand myself so much better. Have you ever looked at yourself and say, I don't even know who this person is. What, what is he doing? <laughs> I, I want to do the things I want to do, and I, I can't seem to do the things that I want to do. It's, it's, it's frustrating. I don't understand myself. The more you let lo- God love you and the more you love other people, you will understand yourself so much better and be able to protect yourself from doing dumb things, <laughs> as we all tend to do. But verse 13 we'll finish up with, Until then, there are three things that remain. Faith. Hope and love, yet love surpasses them all. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. Let's bow our heads. Jesus, we just thank you, Heavenly Father. Lord, reduce us to love. Lord, if we're proud of something, let it just melt away and let us just hang on to love. Lord Jesus, if we're chasing something that shouldn't be chased, let us stop and just pursue your love, Lord God. Heavenly Father, reduce us to love. Melt away all the impurities in our life that we can't get rid of ourselves, Lord. Melt all of those things away and let us just remain pure love, motivated by love. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for it. Right now, if you'd like prayer, I'm not going to ask you to come up. I'm just going to...